0: Greetings, friends! How thankful for the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make one wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Today, let's draw holiness from the Scriptures. That's from the International Gospel Hour. Stay tuned!
1: Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. For almost 90 years, churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. You are about to listen to another Bible-based lesson with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour, starting now. I am bound for the promised land.
0: Well, thank you to our J-Web and greetings to all of you. Thank you for being with us today here on our broadcast from the International Gospel Hour. We're always honored to have each and every listener join us and let's begin with our studies. You know, as Christians, one is set apart from the world and set apart unto God. Now, a Christian is called to holiness, and the Christian will strive to be separate from sin. Let's think about the text of 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or lifestyle, because as it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. It is written, You know, when we look at that text that Peter brings forth, we find that reflected in the book of Leviticus, the book of holiness, and how through no matter the dispensation or the covenant that God had with His people, He wants His people to be holy, for He is holy. In a previous broadcast, we reasoned within the hymn, More Holiness Give Me, penned by the late Philip Bliss. And from stanza one, we examined those words, more holiness give me, more strivings within, more patience in suffering, more sorrow for sin, more faith in my Savior, more sense of His care, more joy in His service, more purpose in prayer. And using that hymn, we looked at holy living and how our lives should be holy unto God, separate and set apart for His service and walking faithfully according to him. In the hymn that Mr. Bliss penned, you find the word more over and over and over. And when you study holiness, dear friends, we find that there is more God will always grant. He is the Almighty. I think about Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that which we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And that's God Almighty. And when we think about holiness and living for God and living faithfully, well, dear friends, there's a desire for us to want more from God. So for this broadcast, we're going to consider stanza number two, as we continue our thought on More Holiness Give Me. And we'll begin that in just a moment, but first, let's go to our J-Webb, who has some details about our broadcast here from International Gospel Hour.
1: Hello friends, miss a broadcast of Are You Listening?, You can find previous broadcasts at our website, InternationalGospelHour.com, and we are on several podcast platforms. Maybe we are on your favorite podcast site. Just search for International Gospel Hour, and you can find previous broadcasts. They are always there, 24-7, for you to listen or even to download. And now, let's continue our study.
0: Now, when we think of stanza number two of the hymn, More Holiness Give Me, let's consider it as a whole. More gratitude give me. More trust in the Lord. More pride in His glory. More hope in His word. More tears for His sorrows. More pain at His grief. More meekness in trial. More praise for relief. Now, allow me to remind us that When Mr. Bliss wrote this hymn, he simply called it, My Prayer. And when an individual prays unto God, the child of God prays unto his father, the desire of more or for God to, well, for example, Jabez in the Old Testament, or some people pronounce it Jabez, but how he prayed for the Lord to enlarge his borders. How that Hezekiah turned and prayed unto God, and God lengthened his life. How that Jesus prayed for the cup to pass from him, and although he did go to the cross, how God provided him with that angel to strengthen him. What about Paul's thorn in the flesh, to where he prayed it would be taken from him, but God told him, or rather Christ, through God, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, I will provide. When the Christian prays unto the Father, walking that holy life and desiring more to help them, it's not for our glory, friends, but for the glory that goes to God who provides. So as we think about the idea of more, it's because the Christian is growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18. Now, let's take that wonderful hymn, let's go to stanza two, and let's break it down. More gratitude give me. Now, friends, that's a wonderful plea. Might one grow in gratitude and thankfulness as a child of God? A simple thank you goes a long way. I think about the late Ernie Now, I know that name may not mean a lot, and a lot of you probably never knew Ernie. But I worship with Ernie where I used to preach, and I remember Ernie making a comment on prayer, and it has stuck with me for many years. He said, before I give my petitions and ask God for things, I need to pause and thank Him for what He is doing, what He has done, and what I have. What a beautiful approach. What a beautiful thought. And more gratitude give me. And when we see what God provides, then that gratitude grows. And as gratitude for God grows, then holiness continues to grow. Let's think about these texts. What about 2 Corinthians 4.15? For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Now, look at that. God's grace that brings salvation that's appeared to all men, Titus 2.11, and the grace that the child of God embraces through faith, Ephesians 2.8 and 9, may cause thanksgiving to abound more. Gratitude give me. How about Philippians 4.6? Be anxious or don't be worrisome. But be anxious for nothing but, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, when you look at the idea of being anxious or worrisome, that's a weight upon us. And so, when we pray and the idea of supplication, supplication, supply me, Father... With thanksgiving, I'm thankful unto God. And as my thanksgiving abounds, and I'm thankful unto God, and I make my request known to Him, how beautiful it is. How about Colossians 2.7 when Paul told the church, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, do you get the idea that more gratitude give me, that as our gratitude and our thankfulness grows, as God grants, we're able to return thanks unto him. And then when you tie it all together with Psalm 97.12, it will cause one to give thanks at the remembrance of his, here's our word, holiness. To God be the glory. Second, let's go back to the hymn. Second phrase of the stanza: more trust in the Lord. Now, trust in the Lord is beautiful, and when one can grow more in his trust, he leans more up on God. Proverbs three five and six says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding." In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Lean not on your own understanding. Well, I like that. I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to trust less in Jeff and trust more in Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Place it there. And in all your ways acknowledge Him. Well, how can we acknowledge Him with our ways? Because we grow in His knowledge and not our knowledge. How about Ephesians 1.13, written to those Christians at Ephesus, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That idea of a seal means a down payment was made. God sealed those Christians when they believed Their obedient belief, and that takes us back to Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Acts 19, verses 1 through 6, when the Ephesians, who were taught the baptism of John, understood that they were to be baptized into Christ, and they were. What a beautiful thought. Dear friends, when you think about believe in the biblical sense, it embraces all that God has commanded, and it's always a word of action. You know, the devils believe, yet they tremble. Well, we know their faith is not a saving faith because they're not doing anything about it. They just tremble. But when you and I trust in the Lord, we hear the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, we believe it, we're obedient because that is true biblical faith, then what a joy to be sealed by God. Now, let's think about trusting in the Lord. And listen to the psalmist in Psalm 86 too. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trust in you. Oh, for more trust to come, to grow. And yes, friends, that increases holiness. How about our third segment of the stanza? More pride in his glory. Now, we've got to point out here, please note this, we have pride in his glory and not ours. Consider these texts. First Corinthians chapter one and verse thirty one. That according as it is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. My if there was a church that needed to hear that, it was Corinth. Because they were fractured. Uh, There were fractions within, divisions within. They were fractured and broken apart. I am of Paul. I am of Cephas. I am of Apollos. I am of Christ. All of this. And he says, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. What a beautiful thought. What a beautiful command. Galatians 6.14, Paul says, But God forbid that I should glory, save, or accept in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. I am going to glory in the cross. Does that not remind you of another hymn? When I survey the wondrous cross, the stanza that says, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my Lord or Christ my God? All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to His blood. You see, less pride in me, because you see, as I have pride in myself, I can't save myself. I don't have the redemption power to save myself, but I do have the power of choice in redemption unto God. And I make that choice that He is going to redeem me. And less pride in me in my glory, which is nothing but more pride in His glory, for who we become and what we can be. Let's look at our fourth stanza. What about more hope in His Word? Romans 15.4, the Apostle Paul speaks of things are written aforetime, referring to those things under the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, when he said, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. You see, through patience and comfort, and we gain that from the Scriptures, we grow in our hope, more hope in His Word. In Colossians 1, verses 4 and 5, Paul told the Christians there in Colossae, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... Whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Boy, that's powerful. Their faith in Christ Jesus. The love they have for others. The hope that's laid up in heaven. My, what a wonderful, wonderful teaching. And that is the truth of the gospel that grants us that hope. How about Titus chapter 1 in the early book. The early part of the book as it begin verses 2 and 3. Or as it begins here, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested His Word through preaching. You see, that hope of eternal life is manifested, brought forth, stamped, approved through preaching. We proclaim that faith in Christ Jesus, the love to all saints, the hope that's laid up in heaven. And then he concludes Titus 1, 2, and 3 by saying, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. There is an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. And that anchor is hope in Christ, Hebrews 6 and verse 19. You see, hope keeps one near holiness as a fuel that presses us onward in holy living. More hope in His Word. Now, I'd like to pause here and ask Dear friends, how is your hope in the Word of Christ? We're grateful you tune in to our broadcast, but we'd like to encourage other opportunities in between broadcast to grow more in our Word. I want to pause here and turn to our J Web as he is going to speak about a great publication that we're glad to endorse and encourage people to receive here from International Gospel Hour. Here is our j Webb with a few words about The Gospel Gleaner.
1: We at International Gospel Hour are honored to offer The Gospel Gleaner, a free publication. For over 30 years, The Gospel Gleaner has presented sound biblical studies, published quarterly four times a year. Again, subscriptions are always free. Just go to gospelgleaner.com and sign up for either the mail or email version. Be sure to post in the comments blank you heard it from the International Gospel Hour. Now, let's continue our studies.
0: And friends, we'd love for everyone to have the Gospel Gleaner mailed to them. If you do not have internet access to go to the Gospel Gleaner and sign up, then how about this? Give us a call at 855-IGH-6988 and give us your name and address and ask, add me to Gospel Gleaner and then we will forward your address to them on your behalf. We realize many of our wonderful listeners listen to us by radio with no Internet access, and we want you to receive that as well. And if you'll just call us at 855-IGH-6988 or 855 444 and just leave us your name and address and say, I'd like the Gospel Gleaner. We will forge your address to the good people at GospelGleaner.com. Now, let's return back to our study. More Holiness Give Me is the hymn we are considering for our study on holiness. We're in stanza number two. We want to come to the fifth phrase that says, more tears for his sorrows. Oh, would that not take us back to Isaiah 53 verses 3 through 5? He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by His stripes we are healed. How beautiful, brethren. How beautiful, dear friends. How beautiful any and all. Think about His sorrow in the garden, especially as we note Matthew 26, 37, and 38, and within the context of His suffering and sorrow, how it did increase. When one is reminded of the price that Jesus paid for one's life, Holiness must be applied. Holiness must be obeyed. Holiness must be renewed. What a price he paid. What a return for that price he paid in my life. When I think of his sorrows, may my heart always be touched. Now, let's build on this with the sixth phrase, More Pain at His Grief. Now, as we noted Isaiah 53, 4, and 5 moments ago, or verses 3 through 5, did you catch that he was acquainted with his grief and he also bore ours? You know, Hebrews 5 and verse 7 says concerning Christ, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him, from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. Oh, how Jesus, in the garden, how he wept, tears sweat as blood. Now, friends, you blend that together with tears for sorrow, he bore our griefs. What a reminder. Within the churches of Christ, every Lord's day, we observe the Lord's Supper. Commanded in Acts 20 and verse 7, and the teaching of 1 Corinthians 11, 20-34, they remind us we show His death by partaking of the Lord's Supper till He comes. And how we're able to pause within that avenue of worship and to think of His grief and His sorrows and what He paid. To sing a hymn that will take our mind back to that cross of Christ and to have some words of exhortation in many cases. And to remember the death that He died for you and for me. Let's go to our seventh phrase as time is getting away. More meekness in trial. You see, one is learning from the Savior who was meek and lowly in heart. Matthew eleven twenty eight. But friends, as I look closer at His meekness and His strength unto the commands of God that His will be done. You know, among the fruit of the Spirit is that beautiful trait, meekness. Galatians 5.23 Nelson's Bible Dictionary defines meekness as an attitude of humility toward God and gentleness toward men, springing from a recognition that God is in control. Although weakness and meekness may look similar, they are not. The same. Weakness is due to negative circumstances such as a lack of strength or a lack of courage. But meekness is due to a person's conscious choice. It is a strength and courage that is embraced and is under control coupled with kindness. Now perhaps the last sentence is the best thought. Strength or power under control. That we're able to be controlled by God with a meek spirit. And when you look closer at that word... It reflects our behavior in trials and struggles. It's a tempering of the spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. And I must look that good will come similar. I must think about this and consider the verse of Hebrews 12.11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The idea of meekness is to train us as a horse with a bridle in one's mouth to make sure our control is where it needs to be to be a disciplined person. More meekness in trial. More strength within that trial. And yes, more praise for relief, our final phrase yes more praise for relief but who do i praise well i praise god through his holiness unto me my gratitude my trust in his glory my hope in his word remembering the price he paid in his grief and sorrow for me and god will help me grow in my meekness my strength that is used properly for him and yes friends i will praise him in relief I will praise him as he supplies unto me what I need for my life. The psalmist said it, Psalm 118, 21. I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. So, dear friends, there stands a two of holy living. Now, may I ask you a question? A few moments ago, we offered the Gospel Gleaner publication. May I ask you a question? How are you doing in your Living of Holiness. Let us help you further in your studies, as we have a free Bible course by mail. And all you have to do is request it, and here is our JWeb with the details. Then I'll come back and wrap up our broadcast today.
1: We at International Gospel Hour are honored to offer The Gospel Gleaner, a free publication. For over 30 years, The Gospel Gleaner has presented sound biblical studies published quarterly four times a year. Again, subscriptions are always free. Just go to gospelgleaner.com and sign up for either the mail or email version. Be sure to post in the comments blank like you heard it from The International Gospel Hour. Now, Let's continue our studies. Dear friends,
0: thank you for joining me on this broadcast today as we think about the recurring theme of more holiness, a plea to God for more, not to heap it upon our lust and desires as stated in James 4 and verse 3, but a plea to our Father to mold ourselves in His image and for His will to be done. Please let us help you in your studies of the Word of God. You can reach out to us at 855-444-6988. You can write us at P.O. Box 118, Fayetteville, Tennessee, 37334. Reach out to us through our website at internationalgospelhour.com. Thank you for joining me today for our study here from the International Gospel Hour. And dear friends, until next time, I'm Jeff Archie, and as always, keep listening.